some stuff. Hey, hey, Web3 Weekly with your host, Hey, everyone. Welcome to episode 58 of Web3 Weekly podcast by Blockstar. So today I've been joined by lovely Maureen. Hello. Very Christmassy Maureen. Yeah. So, um, so welcome to all the uh, our social media, uh, all the users from our social media. So today we're going to talk about um, real world assets. Yes. And so obviously in our office, Cosy has been the expert in real world assets, haven't you? Oh. Going around and giving um, some really great <laughs> <laughs> presentations. I, I think... Um, I think that's, I feel like that's a, I mean, we had the NFT, we had the uh, DeFi, I feel like this is the next iteration. So, um, and I had to say like here, you know, we had a few um, discussions with potential clients and clients as well about how the tokenization of real world assets uh, going on. I think there's a lot of um, what we call um, chit chat out there. So, um, so with your help, Maureen. Yeah. Let's get into it. Okay, good, because I have a question for you, Cosy. Oh, my Just God. the same way that we saw the NFTs take off. And yes. It was, you know, some people saw it was a big bubble and you said it's the next iteration. Do you think that because it's going to be a, a bit of a phase of a new thing, we're going to see people trying to make absolutely everything a real-world asset? Everything. That's a big word. But I would say anything that they see value in, like whether it's um, – uh, fine wine, um, luxury watches, cars, ships. Yeah. Um, and I think the the low hanging fruit, not low hanging fruit, but I think the people could say they think of real estate. So I feel like there will be people will be looking at tokenizing anything that they see like, oh, there's some good value in it yeah. rather than, you know. Um, and also not, they're like physical, but also the non-physical, like time that can be tokenized. You can tokenize time? Yeah. What do you mean? Like, uh, say, for example, your professional services, for example, right? So, or legal services, yeah. I could tokenize those hours, like a, so like a, in other words, like NFT. So, uh, you That's can do that. That's to me. Yeah. Tokenize time. I don't know. I kind of have a feeling that we're going to see, number one, just like mm-hmm. NFTs, they're going to be some really cool use cases for like tokenization of real world assets. I can definitely see potential when it comes to like, fractionalizing real estate and other big value assets makes sense but then i can also see that you know there's going to be those occasions where people are going to go tokenize like their pets or like their shoes weird things like that that's less luxury item yeah i mean all your shoes all your shoes hey let's not bring my I know that Nike did it and we're going to have like examples of like digital twins and Mm. you know um yeah. All that stuff. But then it just, I feel like we're going to jump around the whole place. With That's this okay. Podcast. Yeah. I think it's going to open up the floodcase gates of who validates these things. So, like, what are some of the things we're going to have to look out for when we think of real world assets? Okay. I would say um, when you, if you tokenize a luxury car or even um, wine, right? First of all, you have to know, okay, this wine, it's 
it exists in real world. Yeah. So you need provenance. You had to have like, okay, so you had to authenticate first of, okay, is there a bottle of wine there? So that's where the trust factor comes in because yeah. it's not on chain yet. So we had to rely on the, uh, the trust-based frameworks. Now, how would you do that? Um, then, you know, for authentication and you had to get the provenance as well. Like, where do you get the provenance from? So the provenance is where you get, okay, uh, when was this uh, wine, you know, corked or bottled, not corked, but bottled or, you know, where it came from. So that has to be validated as well. So I would say that can be a, a valuer uh, could value that and confirm that once you do that once and then you put that. So before you jump on, so another word for provenance, we would probably say that you would have to establish yes. ownership. Ownership. So that That's might exactly. be like a title or a deed. 100%. What next? Yes. Yeah. And once you um, do that, then then you go into um, fractionalization of that. Yeah. And that's when you have to go to a, a platform that is um, trustworthy because it's not just being decentralized. Here we, we need the centralization of that uh, trustworthiness. So once you fractionalize them, then you have to go to the trading part. So okay. those are the four steps. So um, when we're before we actually issue the tokens... Is it necessary, and you may or may not know mm. this, is it necessary to have a smart contract in the tokenization so you can establish like the the rules or the terms of the tokenization ownership structure? Is that something yep. that's necessary? Or? There has to be somewhat that in there. Again, if you think about this tokenization, yep. there has there will be some will be uh, tokenized on a uh, on a decentralized ledger, yep. uh, but there's also uh, more centralized as yep. well. Now, if you think about uh, decentralized, the only thing with the decentralized uh, ledger, like what you said here, like you know that law, everything will be on the smart contract, but then there will be things that kids can't own. Yeah. So even though you're the KYC and everything else, but when it comes to being a decentralized aspect, anyone can buy, you know, get it. Anyone can create a spin up a wallet yeah. and own that asset. So if it's uh, tokenizing sneakers, like, um, you know, our Nathan's yeah. sneaker collection or your shoe collection. Yeah. Or my handbag. Handbags, <laughs> exactly, right? In that case, there's no issue whatsoever because it doesn't have to be um, like, kids and any special yeah. you know uh, things like that but when it comes to property and um, uh, property uh, alcohol and yeah. all that sort of things then you need that. I feel like I'm just going to throw throw this out there and it's just a thought because obviously we're starting to really learn a lot more about this topic do you think that given the nature of some of the things that the, the best use cases of mm -hmm. real world assets that a lot of the systems that we're going to see in place are going to have to be centralized because of the value of some of these assets. We're going to need to register the tokens. 100%. Because I've read a few places, some jurisdictions do get you to register. We know mm -hmm. that with property, you're probably going to have to register it. If it's getting a, if a token is paying out money and it's a security token, all of these things are going to be registered. So do, are we going to see like a centralized system? I would say there'll be more and more centralized systems. Yeah. There will be the decentralized aspect to it for certain things where like, I don't know, art, that can be decentralized. Um, but other things might not be because again, like when it comes to decentralization, tax. Yeah. And with with the registering, it, is it going to have to be registered before it can be traded? Is that right? Well, at this moment, there might not be, but 
you know, we know that that's where we are going, right? I mean, you know the law. I would, mm-hmm. I, I would rely on you <laughs> to help me with that. <laughs> All right. So, I mean, I think we've heard a lot of um, our fellow Australian lawyers talk about it. We know that um, one of our mm-hmm. colleagues is great in the space of. Yep. Um, what's his name? Jim? Jabs. Jabs. That's it. Yep. Um, I don't know too much about it. I know the Corporations <laughs> Act is starting to talk about it. ASIC is obviously very um, interested in it. We're seeing globally uh, mm. there's still a lot of, you know, um, not alignment, but I think that we're going towards that. But what do you think is is it going to take for the next, not bull run, but yeah. what are we going to see? I know real estate's going to be huge. I think we can agree on mm-hmm. that because it's a system that's old and broken and it's just ripe for disruption. Yeah. What, what other things do you think? What other things? I would say once uh, these things cause, I mean, like more people know about EFTs than, you know, more than anything else at the moment with everything going on with BlackRock. And like six months ago, I didn't know much about EFTs and BlackRock, but I think now it's just like the street talk, right? So once I would say when we are looking at that, those types of bringing um, digital assets into the more like the, uh, the retail investors, yeah. the retail investors going to, you know, come up and find out, oh, we can tokenize all these different things, not not just property. Now, property in the Western world um, is quite straightforward, yeah. very straightforward, because everything, all all the, um, the borders are all marked uh, with satellite, you yeah. know, so we know exactly what where our border starts and border ends. Um, but still, we have um, neighbors, you know, fighting our borders. But when you go into more developing countries, the borders are very fluid. Yeah. Uh, they go, you know, um, down and up constantly. Yeah. So even though they do surveys and that's not. So I guess when you come to uh, real estate side of things, when you come to those countries, it's a little bit more challenging. But I think that's where they had to, everyone has to agree, okay, let's start from one place yeah. and put that on the blockchain. And then after after you get that information on, onto a blockchain that everyone, you know, trust, first of all, you trust that one. Yeah. But after that, then you need to trust. So it's funny. This thought has just come to me. Like, mm-hmm. obviously, when we think about um, fractionalized ownership of real estate and these real-world assets and tokens, a lot of the reason this idea, like one of the inceptions of it came about was because Real estate has gotten so expensive. Our the next couple of generations are probably going to really struggle to buy property. So the idea was, why don't they buy a piece of it? Mm-hmm. But I mean, I think that um, even as a lawyer, when we look at property, we know that how many disputes can come about. You know, with property ownerships and disputes, and you can just imagine, say, a hundred people have a piece of the same property. Yeah. How would we build into a token? Um, how would we deal with that? Look, I think technically, yeah, it's very straightforward. So I would ask you the question: How would you do go about that legally? So probably a governance token. I guess we'd have to, if legally, we'd look at building in those terms and conditions. And I mean, I guess mm. this is where the law is really going to struggle with because it's going to have to protect people's interests. It's going to have exit strategies, even mm. though you can trade them easily. I think when it comes to things like maintenance or taxes or rates or anything that comes up, even yep. tenants. So I think that if you were to execute this really 
well, you would have to consider such an array of things and then look at global jurisdictions and how trading would be affected. But I guess a lot of the real estate is coming down to being more of a stock hmm. token. Look, you, you know, we had to also think of like, okay, what if um, someone passed away who owns those tokens? You should be able to move those to the next person. And then the, so there has to be a legal structure, has to be built like a framework, needs to be built around. So that's why I'm thinking like um, we can, as much as you decentralize, you have to look at more centralized uh, framework in this uh, situation. And okay, so what happens if the kids are under under 18, for example, who yeah. holds it? Then the lawyers. So again, like there's just a lot more, I think I would say in the next maybe, I don't know who's who knows that like, probably it will take about a decade to really yeah. sink in but and I would say on that point that I, that would probably a point that applies to any sort of cryptocurrency and we're looking at succession and probate and then even though the whole thing about cryptocurrency was for like the decentralized you know sovereignty of your own money no one is going to want that if no one can access it in their absence so we're going to see a lot of custodial things built mm-hmm. up the middleman i feel like we're going to almost do a gotta, full gotta go circle back to, yeah. there's going to have to be a backdoor entry because mm-hmm. if you look at the value of some of these things and the potential for some of these things how are they how are we going to deal with an incident of someone passing away or you know an accident or mm-hmm. losing keys like you don't want to be once you start playing with big money and and big property yeah, so I mean, look when we, when it comes to those type of uh, situations, I'm pretty sure there there will always will be that um, who are purists, right? Uh, I say like the the wine sommeliers and mm-hmm. the people who drink wine from boxes, right? <laughs> <laughs> and if you think about it, they're like you know, there's always a place for everyone, yeah, right? And we know uh, there are more wine you know sort of box drinkers than the sommeliers, right? <laughs> So, um, so what I'm, uh, what I'm thinking is, um, how you know the majority, I would say, what maybe ninety, maybe ninety nine percent, more than that, will be centralized. Yeah. Um. So that way they'll have those, um, you know, um, those uh, gates in place, so that you know you'll never lose those completely. And also, when it comes to decentralization, uh, you can always put something like, okay, like if I don't um, confirm this every month. Mm-hmm then those assets get transferred into a secondary wallet. It could be a, a dependent yeah. or a lawyer. <laughs> yeah, I think so. You know? That's why so, we will never go out of business. <laughs> <laughs> You'll always um, find a way. <laughs> um, so I, right mm. before the show, I quickly jumped on and I was like, I yeah. wonder if there's any like really, really good, um, successful real-world mm. asset projects around the world that we can talk about. Mm-hmm. And I looked up. These here. So what we're seeing is um, Carbon Credits, surprise, surprise, has been very successful. Um, A company called Klima Dow, Mm -hmm. they've tokenized carbon credits and they've sold to investors. So now people are able to offset their carbon credits through um, things like um, real world assets, which is crazy. Another example is um, royalty programs. Yeah, Asia, did you know that? No, I didn't know that. I had no idea. Air Asia has tokenized their loyalty programs and, you know, they use big points yep. to, what is it, sell to investors that they can redeem for flights and other rewards. So I guess what would you say, how how are they being used in that sense? 
I guess uh, for the end users, yeah. they don't need to know it's crypto, right? They will have a an AirAsia app and they'll be shown as uh, points or VIP points, for example. And that that's all trackable. And the beauty of uh, this for the AirAsia more than the end user is that AirAsia has a really clean log of audit trail of yeah. which tokens used by whom, for what perp, for what reason, right? And then once you have the audit trail, you can't change it. You can't, you know, do anything like that. You, you know, it's set in stone, right? Yeah. Set of stone. So I think that's where they would use it for me, like main, mainly for an audit trail than anything else. Because otherwise they can achieve that one through Web2. They don't need Web3, but the Web3 where that, that's coming through is like for audit purposes. Yeah. And so, I mean, I guess um, as with most of the things that we've seen come up from cryptocurrency, mm. the regulatory uncertainty is something that could potentially, you know, make or break yes. this thing. Obviously, it's very, a lot of these issues are very complex and, you know, a real world asset, I think, takes the complexity to another level because you need to know blockchain technology, financial markets, the regulatory requirements. Um, that so, can be hard to juggle, I'd say. If I ask a question, like, say, okay. for example, right now, these um, people who's, um, you know, using the uh, AirAsia app, yeah. right? Now they get, um, re, you know, these assets. They, they go around, they're just like, okay, they burn them or exchange yeah. for upgrades and all those things, right? Now... Obviously, they have some sort of a value. And then, so next year, when the regulation comes along and there's like, oh, no, now these ones, you know, X yeah. value and things like that. Do you think that they will go back and charge people or would they like, okay, like, oh, we're going to start from here? Well, how does it work normally? I would say um, because it's a value, is this why they're considered securities? Anything that pays out a value or a mm. dividend or is related to property and stuff? And I don't think that they would ever just cut that if the consumers, mm -hmm. if the regulations changed it. This is obviously an assumption. I can't mm. say this for sure, but they would not lose their value. And I think if it's a program that has been made by the company, you would assume that they would still honour mm -hmm. um, these values. But I guess... Do you think you can go go back and, and then charge people like for, oh, you've done this one, so or the tax office, can they go back and say, oh, I you've been dealing with... I think if they're breaking any laws. I think yeah. that our laws still exist and despite um, technology coming mm. a long way, we can still apply most of our existing laws to this. So if it's something that breaches tax or if it's something that attempts to, you know, um, find a sneaky way around an existing requirement that we have, mm. then yes. I think with the things like real estate, I know that in Australia you have to have real estate in writing, sale of real estate. There's a whole bunch of things that you have to comply with when it comes to certain things. We're seeing, you know, now they're looking at, um, tokenizing things like real estate, stocks, bonds, commodities. And I guess the one of the best ways to even look at tokenized assets is maybe even from the fractionalized mm -hmm. state, taking a very valuable asset that normally would not be able to be available to smaller people and breaking it down so that you can provide entry into that. Because oh, I know that 100%. in America, I was just reading, they've tokenized $100 million um, bonds mm -hmm. from the World Bank. And um, where is it? Goldman Sachs did that. Yep. And it was allowing people to buy for $1 million a part of that bond. And, of mm. course, that was only available to institutional investors. But I think that's their way of trialing it, you know, the trial and error and seeing what can happen with these kinds of things to eventually pass it down to real retail investors. Mm -hmm. 
So I find that I'm thinking that unlike crypto and, you know, NFTs, we're going the other way around with yeah. real world assets. Mm. I think that maybe it's coming from a place where it is more considered regulation is yep. being considered more than just, it's not like the I wild, agree. wild west. Yes. So, and, you know, like uh, talking about um, that with Goldman Sachs, even JP Morgan, they did that. Um, ANUZ, those guys tokenize as well yeah. uh, for um, for a cross-border uh, payment. So they did tokenize uh, Aussie dollars, like having the um, AUD, I think dollar, uh, EAUD or something yeah. like that. So not the CBDC version, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, so tokenize that uh, the dollars so that they can do cross-border transactions. And I think company call was at um, uh, BCG. Boston yeah. Consultancy Group. Yeah. Now, um, I saw a report from them recently that said, like, they, you know, they said, like, in real estate, yeah, once you tokenize, uh, there's a potential about sixteen trillion dollars locked in uh, tokenizable real estate. So that's like money that is waiting. Yeah. And when you see that type of money for institutions, they are not going to just okay. Oh, it's yeah. too hard basket they're going to go after it right yeah. they're going to see they're going to lobby again you know lobbies and they'll go after to change the law so that they can release that you know locked liquidity yeah and see just on that point obviously this is one of the very clear benefits that we can see we know that the real estate market or property market is generally considered illiquid but now you're opening the floodgates mm-hmm. to creating a liquid market mm-hmm. and make things more accessible, more tr- easily traded. Um, you know, now they're doing arts and collectibles in yep. tokenized forms. Which is but NFTs? I, yeah, NFTs. <laughs> um, but I guess, <laughs> I guess, some of the things that we would raise and the questions and the setbacks that we probably still need answers for is things like the valuations. Mm-hmm. You know, who's going to value it and yeah. like based on what and is it accurate, especially if it's an illiquid asset? Yes. Yeah. And yeah. then we've got the, like you said, the custodianship. Mm-hmm. You know, where are you going to store it? Mm. I think um, for the uh, valuers, right, at the moment who are valuing the uh, real world assets, for them, nothing really changed a lot because they're still valuing the real world asset. And yeah. then once you tokenize it, then it becomes a more technical thing that is out of their way because they know, okay, okay if the real world asset is you know, 10 million, yeah. it doesn't matter what the token does because token has to be tied to the real world asset. Yeah. So nothing really changed in that sense. But I meant like in terms of imagine if we were to go and say buy a, you know, a token fractionalized property in Indonesia or something yeah. and we're buying it. Now it's it becomes global um, yes. across, you know, borderless yep. and stuff. But you would want to know that that asset that you're buying Yes. Has been because it is attached to a real life Correct. asset. Yes. And then that's why I think you need to bring in the uh, trust factor. Yeah. You can't say, like in the blockchain, like I don't trust verify. Yeah. Um, you can verify, okay, but you have that trust whether this platform has done the due diligence because yeah. you can uh, fake the documents, right? And I think that's I think that's exactly why um, previously we read that you have to actually get it registered yeah. for it to be then have the tokens released if mm-hmm. it represents a real world asset. So I think that's really interesting because already they're preempting the things that could go wrong and, mm. and putting things in place. Yeah, I guess so. this is not their first rodeo, hey, when it comes to assets. And since so. <laughs> uh, yeah, definitely that's why ASIC and everyone is involved yes. with this. I think this is something that is a lot more 
within their comfort zone because they have that established existing thing. Mm-hmm. But speaking of real world assets and the art and all of that stuff, what would you say is the difference between NFTs and real world assets? Okay, so the NFTs, um, they are like, so everything's digital, right? So that's yeah. the first time that a digital artist could truly sell their artwork. Yeah. Right. And before that, it was like, okay, there was never ever because there was metadata behind that art piece graphic, but you can make copies of it and you didn't know exactly how many copies really exist in the, in the, uh, you know, out there. But with the NFT, that's the first time now we can truly track how many copies of this, you know, true, you know, true copies exist in the world. And that's what the difference with the, that's the NFT. And the real world asset is another version of an NFT that tied to the real world asset. and I think there's a middle person in between, and that's the trusted party, yeah. and that's the centralized party. So it, it's a combination of a decentralized technology with the centralized framework. Yeah, that's really interesting. So, hmm, what else? Have you got any questions, Nathan? Nathan's normally pumping us. Yeah, Nathan is normally just sending us questions left, right, center. So when you come to, um, I got a question for you. Yes. Um, awesome. So when it comes to um, registering um, a, um, say, uh, a, like, I don't know, sneakers, yeah. let's pick something like that, right? Who do you register with? Um, well, I think, I think what they're going to do, mm-hmm. my view would be, is the best way to handle this and uh, apply registra- um, regulation yeah. and registration is going to be by them enforcing things on the platforms that are selling it. So uh-huh, I think okay. that when it comes yep. to property or, um, you know, even mm. stocks and stuff, you'll need licensing and registration, which mm. is normal, and disclosure requirements and market surveillance and enforcement powers. Yep. Those are some of the things I read previously. But I know that because it's going to be something that's representing a real-world asset, mm. I think you'll see ASIC's involvement, mm-hmm. like you'll register it like yep. any other thing, anything that's to be traded, mm. um, I would definitely look at see. Yeah, registration is definitely yeah. something. So it's it's interesting that what you said uh, earlier about the platform. So that what you're saying is like, so as an individual, I don't have to go and register this with any body per se. Yeah. But I'm I might I could send my sneakers to this like the PSA for example, who um, rates uh, sports cards for yeah. example. Um, so this way I could send my uh, sneakers. Uh, to these people, uh, like StockX, for example, and they because StockX has a um, huge name in the in the space for um, what they call um, to differentiate between the dodgy and non-dodgy. Yeah. Um, I don't even know what's a, what's a professional word <laughs> for that. Um, so I guess they could create a platform that could fractionalize. So StockX could uh, create a tokenized platform. And I guess then the um, then it depends on stock X, wouldn't it? Well, I'm Rather just guessing. I would I would just assume. No, I think that I think that there's going to be like just and this is mm. I'm just guessing, but I would assume that you would go. You'd have to prove ownership and everything first. Mm. Once you've registered that before getting the tokens, before actually tokenizing because it's a security, it's going to be attached to things like security, then you're going to have to get it registered. That's when ASIC comes in. Mm-hmm. If it's something that is considered a security or pays out values yep. and stuff, these are all just guesses. I mm. mean, I've just, you know, read here and there about it, but 
I think that that's the way that they're going to have mm. the protection. And then another layer of protection is going to be that, like anything, they will regulate the the easiest thing to regulate, which is the platforms that they're traded on. Yeah, that yeah. the consumers are going to actually mm. deal with. So I wonder how, um, and I think probably you know, for example, now in Middle East, yeah, um, as a foreigner, you can't own real estate. Yeah, and and I have. A, I have a feeling that the same laws will apply when you come to real world assets as well to organization um, of that. I would it? hope so because we were having this conversation before and we were saying what would the world look like if all of these things that were in place, especially to protect, you know, like poorer mm. countries, were then sort of forgotten because they're tokenized in, in an attempt to make money and you're selling land or property to people that are now globally able to buy yes. you could just imagine what that would result in like you'd have so many people you know buying out precious land in poor countries and mm. then you know so many countries that are in conflict yeah. buying and so i feel like regulation better catch up because that's the kind of stuff that can ruin it for everyone mm. when they don't uh, when they just jump in without considering regulations or what might yeah. be required in terms of compliance mm. um obviously i think the anti-money laundering laws are going to be big, yes. uh, like counterterrorism, yes. all of that stuff. Yep. We're seeing that as a repeat topic constantly. Mm. doesn't matter what it's for. NFT, even NFTs were, you know, yep. um, they came down pretty hard on NFTs for money laundering. Yeah. So mm. I think when it comes to, I would say some assets are going to be more regulated than others. I yep. would definitely say like land and property, mm-hmm. we're going to see a lot of stuff like but that stuff that is a lot more tangible maybe yep. not like mm-hmm. you know like you said wine or yes. art or anything like that a shoe surely mm. there's not but it's the same as our existing laws and principles mm. that if the law is quite you know strict on an area i think that we will see those kind of regulations feed through to any mm. sort of tokenization and that's why i think a lot of them are going to be centralized systems. yes and i so that way i guess um by default all these platforms will have a KYC. Yes, like and that's a, how they'll they'll come down, yeah. regulate the platforms. Platforms. So yeah. for them to allow even something to happen in their country, mm. they're going to say if you're the platform provider, and then I think um, property, you're only going to be able to trade it on that platform. On that platform. You're not going to be able to trade it on yeah. multiple platforms. So mm. I guess um, that's to keep things accountable. Mm. What's that question, Nathan? Um, alrighty. So, um, can tokenization be hacked? Um, look, I think, um, if tokenized, I think tokenization, you know, it, it opens up for somewhat, um, risk because if you're tokenizing, um, like a real world asset, if you make a mistake at that early stage of that physical asset being tokenized, um say uh you know i don't know a long distant um cousin of a cousin yeah. who says like oh yeah you know I, I i own a piece of that and you know when you're tokenizing something you have to make sure that you have the blessings of all the owners the true owners mm-hmm. and i think um you know tracking that down is going to be the challenging part. So I think it's not a hack per se, but it could open up for more um, possibilities of, I guess, legal yeah. implications. 
that's the problem. Right. So. So the hacking side of things. So I think once you put that on the blockchain, um, and then if you have a system that is uh, centralized, in that sense, uh, pretty much the end user is protected with certain security measures. Like before you. Uh, can sign for something, you had to um, show your identity and you know your driver's license and all those things that we use in the real world. I think that that way it could overcome those um, hacking potentials and what's yeah. in the blockchain. So, well, I mean, I think that Australia is definitely pretty serious about mm-hmm. um, real world assets. I don't think it's something that they're ignoring or looking past. Mm-hmm. I think that ASX was actually developing a blockchain based platform to trade. Yes, that's right. They've been dealing for 10 years and they gave up. But what are the other risks you'd consider with investing in? Um, Well, the uh, real world assets, um, anything, like anything, investment is risky. Yeah. First of all, there's no guarantees when it comes to investment. Yeah. So now if you are investing um, in things, they could go up in flames. For example, if you have um, these wine for example that you you know um you bought these tokenized wine and what if that place just get flooded for example yeah and you're doing so you have to know exactly okay what coverage insurance coverage you've got what That's is a your really good point. yeah right and uh, thank you i was just doing insurance and um so i think having that information on chain when you go into buying this uh tokenized assets you want to know okay you need to know whether has it got uh, the coverage has it got the provenance or so who who uh, done the authentication part yeah. so i think once you do that it's like anything you know you're buying a car or you're buying a you're buying anything right yeah. in the real world so there will be some risk factor but you do your so due are diligence those, are those things going to be built into smart contracts of course i think yeah. that look there will be built into smart contracts but end of the day it's what you put in in the first place. Yeah, you know that data has to be um, has to be verified. Yeah, right. Now the end user from from the US, if it's being done in the US, and someone from Australia buying that token, they had to know. Okay, the the platform might even say like, okay, we do not take responsibility. Right. Yeah. It's this person, but I think platforms, as you said. If the platforms are the one who has the responsibility, yeah. guess what? They, I don't think they'll really shy away from it. Yeah. And so in terms of like the market risk, what are we going to see these tokens bought in? Are they like going to be paid with in crypto? Are they going to be paid in? No, I, I think these will be paid in CBDCs. CBDCs. <laughs> <laughs> because obviously so, the market is volatile. Yeah, I mean... You know, there will stable be, coins, maybe. I don't know. Yeah, stable <laughs> coins. Uh, and then it's only a stone, stone. you know, what do you call it? Throw away from to CBDCs, <laughs> right? So um, I think, look, uh, for them, they might bring, you know, not they might, they will bring in CBDCs. And I think that's going to make it a lot more seamless in a sense that the government knows, okay, oh, you, you know, who that money came from, yeah. where it come from. Then, you know, some of that... Um, what you call the counterterrorism and AML yeah. would be less because you already know where the funds coming from. So, so um, Nathan made a good point before mm. when we were talking about this. We were talking about how can you confirm, and this is why we think it's going to be registered in the mm-hmm. security body. But there was a time where they had paper batch gold, 
and yep. the banks were like would give you a paper and you had a paper to say that you know basically a representation of you owing uh, owning gold in the back but then yep. when we went to get it it wasn't you couldn't collect your gold so yes what's to stop people from doing a counterparty risk <sighs> um look it could um it, it, it could happen you know whenever just humans are involved yeah. uh, you are bound to get those types because um i think it's agreed which comes yeah. into it right and there'll be so much i mean like at the moment it's already happening at the moment in real world where a house uh can get sold by the tenants and the owner doesn't even know that the house got sold until you know or the same uh, same property can get leased multiple times even in the contract it says you can't sublease yeah so it's happening or it's already happening yeah. right so those things will happen uh when it come to this real world assets or tokenization but i'm pretty sure we'll you know we'll definitely find ways to cross those challenges when we and so for like the difference between a real world asset and a digital twin mhm what digital twin and the i guess it's the um digital asset is same as a digital twin for me mm-hmm. right the only difference is like the fractionalization now that's different yeah. because the digital twin is the exactly one to one we have fractionalization is one to many yeah and i feel like a digital twin a real world asset i feel like can represent value whereas a digital twin can just be a digital version of anything mhm whether or not yeah. it's got value or not like it can be yeah i mean like i don't know i think asset can be anything like you know it doesn't you know what is valuable f- to you might not be valuable yeah. to me you know and it could be um i don't know my you know um family crest for example yeah that would be cool actually <laughs> I should make a note of that one create one for my family um yeah so that could be something valuable to the the hierarchy of the family the family tree but not be valuable to anyone else so i think there will be i think that's where people say you can tokenize anything and that's what you'll be careful of not tokenize everything yeah um because value is subjective subjective 100% yeah. so i wonder do you think that we'll see regulations come in with real world assets and like we'll get a definition of what an asset is Ooh. like an asset class currently we have asset classes hmm. so we would assume Look. if they're going to use the word real world asset and a lot of their references have been into commodities stocks bonds real estate these are all asset classes look um the I feel like that's the, true, the difference between nfts and real world real assets. assets true true that's huge i mean like for me i don't know yeah to comment on it enough um but you know i think the government is still going through that i mean you and charlie had a uh, podcast with andrew braggs and what do you yeah. guys get out of that one what did you any any um, any alpha that. that you can drop um <laughs> <laughs> there's actually i think we're expecting to see regulation um in the space 2026 apparently but i didn't in terms of the real world assets i don't think that that was too much of the focus mm. i think they're still kind of you know baby stepping into crypto yeah. in general mm. and again their their outlook was to regulate the platforms and 
to protect consumers from this. But I think that it's definitely within the purveil of the government. Mm. Reward ASIC's like ASIC is working on it. A lot yeah. of people are looking into this space. But I mean, when I was looking before about what you know, if it's susceptible to fraud and stuff, mm. you know, we I have a list here where it says there can be fake assets. Yep. It's going to be a lot more susceptible to pump and dump mm-hmm. because scammers can artificially inflate yes. the prices. You're going to have exit scams smart contract vulnerabilities, custodial hacks. So I think, like you said, insurance, this is going to open a huge market for insurance. Yeah. Huge. Like mm-hmm. custodial hacks. Yeah. This is like a new world of problems that we haven't seen until now. And there's there's always Easily money lose. to be made. Yes. Like, That's right. I think the, uh, the more liquid an asset gets, yeah. the more riskier it gets yeah. as well. You know, um, say, for example, like uh, if you have a, like a will now, it's not easy to get hold of a will and change it. And but real world assets, it's all online, digital. Not everyone truly understands the infrastructure and how it all works. Yeah. So in a place like that, when there's so many transactions happening, you're bound to get quite a few of them. And, you know, when those things happen, yeah. I think that's when the law changes and but unfortunately there will be some huge sacrifices what i think is crazy is like if we look at the past 15 years humans have just gotten so creative like we're just getting so much better at making value out of things that don't necessarily always exist like half the cryptos don't exist like nfts just like new creative ways to make money or find Mm -hmm. away money and real world assets have basically expanded this market even more they've taken a valuable asset and made it do you think this is going to increase the value of existing assets because yes. of your ability to, to sell get the more, same like thing the, to so many more Your people? audience, right? Look so at your audience. So what is that going to do? So like now we see that the crypto market is going to be worth around $1 trillion. At the moment, it's 1.3, I think. Is it? Yeah. Because it's 1.3. I think, well, this morning it was. Nathan, mm-hmm. what's pumping? <laughs> 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 so... Um, you know, and I think uh, it will it's going to go crazy because when you think about the um, like one thing I would say is we're going to have a lot more um, access to these assets in developing countries, right? Say, for example, if someone in developing countries they could own they could own an asset yeah. from another country for for a small amount, otherwise they would not have access to. Yeah. You know, for hundred rupees, for example, or or thousand baht, or whatever that looks like. Yeah. You know, it's going to democratize the access, and they might, you know, whatever they get, they might get like fifty cents. Um, you know, every day, and that's that adds up in those countries. Yeah. And that's what I think uh, going to make the huge difference when it comes to real world assets. I think um, what's really interesting is that majority of the interest in real world assets are coming from institutional investors. Mm-hmm. Why would we say that? Is it because generally right now what they have been successfully able to, you know, um, toy with in terms of real-world assets, assets have been real estate, stocks, bonds, yeah, commodities. That's where institutional investors already are well, sort of, yes, you know. It's because they've seen these for hundreds of years, right? Yeah. They know the cycles. They know what happens every 10 years into property market. They know exactly yeah. what happens every 10 years into S&P 500 or, you know, FTSE 500. 
they know those patterns. So they're going to stick with those until, and they, you know, crypto, we don't know. I mean, like this morning it was 1.3 trillion. Oh, I don't know what's the value now in the markets, right? Yeah. And these traders or the, you know, uh, the institutional investors, they don't know these uh, cycles. We are so new to it. We yeah. don't have enough data to create models when it comes to investment. So I would say uh, once we get this in, into EFTs or real world assets with regulation like framework, yeah. guess what? Then we are dealing with the um, normal asset cycles. Mm-hmm. And, that's also, and then they would be happy to take those investment opportunities to their clients. Yeah. What I think is going to be probably one of the most interesting things for me is knowing that now, like crypto already created borderless mm-hmm. um, transactions. Now, when we're talking about, you know, if there's no regulations and now property and all of these things become borderless, oh, we're going yes. to have to, this is something that can really affect an economy mm-hmm. greatly, property, all of that Huge. stuff, stocks, bonds, everything. Yeah. So. We're going to have to see a much greater um, global agreements and global laws and you know, a, a much bigger flow. Like, yeah. I wish we had asked Senator Franks that. I think we did put the question to him about what, what does it look like when mm. we have, if you can access these things globally and there's no restriction, then what happens at times of conflicts or what happens when you have a country that, like, what what kind of floodgates? Let's well, go a little bit dark without yeah, going all right. too so, dark. I so just things like with the USDT, yes, um, there has they have been transacting. They have, they have been sort of a um, bit of um, news around that they have been uh, dealing with uh, one of the biggest failed property real estate companies in China. What's that big one? Evergreen. For? Evergreen. Yes. Right. Um, so things like that and. Um, guess what? The American, uh, the politicians, they own USDT, yeah. right? And then USDT owns like circ- Circle. Yeah. So uh, they own quite a lot. I think they're the fifth largest uh, bond holder yeah. in the US. So now they are coming up with some regulatory well, that's what I thing. Mean, like, because... okay, if you're a politician, you might not be able to own USDT that has a you know national threat. So... Well, I think that's really reasonable. I don't really think mm. that politicians should be able to have a vested interest in a lot of things like things to do with war and weapons, <laughs> but that's fine. We won't no. get into that here. But I think mm. that, that that's going to be the hardest thing to do because when are we ever going to get, I don't want to say I mm. hope to never have a one world government, but it's going to be now as trade, this is basically a new form of trade. Yes. It's a new market of trade. We're going global. Mm-hmm. There's going to be, there's a lot of countries that don't agree at the moment and there's a lot of yep. potential for this to go quite badly. Mm-hmm. And so I guess that's why, you know, real estate and stuff are either centralised or only open to vetted companies. But yes. I still feel like that's there's still potential for harm. Oh, huge. Not that I want to... No, no, no. that side but I just think yeah when, when if we're being realistic like imagine if you've got huge investors in America investing in other places mm-hmm. or finding a way to go into a country that they don't yeah. like crossing the, anything could happen but yeah and I think look um even those uh governments right they're they're trying to find a way not to uh lose out on this new uh, wave I think it's it has almost not past yet, but in the like in the on the brink 
of passing the technological barrier and now it's becoming more okay let's not talk about the blockchain let's talk about the asset stuff now yeah. now anyone can you know own these asset yeah. classes right and with same thing happening in when you look at the whole uh, BRICS nations and yeah. the non-BRICS so they're having their own uh, settlement layer where they're not yeah. they're not using the SWIFT layer uh, they're, they're going away from so what happens if you don't use SWIFT layer you can't put um, what you call sanctions on these ah. countries because they are not swift based so they're going to they're going to you know do settlements on different uh, systems so when we come to real world assets how would that stop sanctions yeah. on countries and political parties and people so they might we might say okay we're going to have aml and ctc yeah. um things anti money laundering and counter terrorism act but would that work on other you know settlement layers or yeah. is it only working on the our known internet so I think that there's a lot of potential for this technology, but I think like the more you talk about it and the more you get into it and if you take a realistic approach, mm. there's also so many things that um, because of the technology don't make sense unless there's stronger regulations. Yeah, and I would like to see some balance, yeah. but I don't know what that balance looks like, right? Um, because at this moment the balance could be here, but yeah. then as the um, space grows, yeah. uh, the balance could li- you know, lie somewhere else in between. It will be hard to control. But, um, but as humans, we'll, we'll find a way because yeah. at the end of the day, we, I think major, the, only a minute percentage of humans that creates problems for everyone. Yeah. So I think uh, as a whole, people are always want to do the right thing. Um, and... And then you know, people always find a way. I think we have gone through so many, actually not so many, I just lied. Mm-hmm. You know, when it comes to money, right? Yeah. You know, when you look at how the, uh, the dollar, the pound, and how they uh, became superior currencies over the years, yeah. right? And it all depends on the, you know, uh, politics and, you know, the superpowers, right? Um, you know, in a world like that, how can you, when you and then you put, cryptocurrency and then in the cryptocurrency you got bitcoin you got ethereum yeah. and you got pepe isn't it nathan <laughs> right <laughs> right in a world like that yeah. how would you work it out okay what is what is what you know so i think and then when it come to um like you asked like okay what what currencies would they use when it come to real world assets yeah it's like there are so many unknowns at the moment but i think it's it's really important to talk about those yeah, and, and ask these questions ask because, the questions i mean we we asked the question um last week when we were talking to some of the brags like if you have the cbdc's that you're introducing and they can be geofenced and they can stop this and they can stop that what is going to happen at a time of conflict like what happens if someone say goes to another country and they're using cbdc's or you're trying to buy something with your cbdc or money's coming from here like yes but then again um what would you do with a CBDC is normally what you do is you buy a service from a country, right? Yeah. Say, for example, now, um, if I go to India, I'm pretty sure you can do this, but you can't just go to a shop and say, okay, here's my Aussie dollars. I want to, I want to have that drink. Yeah. They, they would get it. They would, they would obviously happily take it. But if you, you know, if you, uh, if an Indian uh, national come here and say, okay, here's thousand rupees. I want to have that can of Coke. Yeah. They might not accept it, right? But they want to have that can of Coke. So I have a feeling uh, people in India, what they might do is they had to use their Indian CBDCs yeah. to buy some Aussie CBDCs 
and then come to Australia and then spend the Aussie CBDCs yeah. for the service. So I have a feeling something like that would happen rather than just yeah. using that CBDC because I don't think uh, the Australian government wants to hold, I don't know, maybe I, I could be wrong, the Indian CBDCs and the Chinese CBDCs, the Hong Kong CBDCs because at the end of the day they want to uh, protect their own yeah. interests. So, and um, all right, we are getting closer to the yeah. end. Do you have any more comments? Any, any, any questions, Nathan? Do you have any questions for us? If you don't, you got you got three seconds. <laughs> anyway, do you own any real world assets? Not yet. Not not yet. Here we go. Not yet. Um, and I think uh, we are not that far off. I would yeah. say. I would say maybe we'll be starting in about maybe I don't know. It will start about maybe one or two years. Yeah. It it only takes the um you know uh, the bull market to start, and you'll see all those things that are you know pretty much. We had this bull market for two years, like you know, almost yeah. or more than that, maybe two years, maybe. That all this time, people didn't just go to bed, right? Didn't they didn't go to sleep, right? Yeah. They've been building and trying a lot of things because guess what? There is no noise outside, yeah. So the builders can really focus on building and getting some meaningful solutions. So that I think that that helped the builders having this bear market for the traders, not so much, yeah. right? And then I think once this everything start heating up again, leading up to the Bitcoin halvening around about April some point. I think a lot of these you know, new projects and the projects have been dormant, will come alive. Yeah. And then again, investors will see like, oh my God, it is alive now. I think we can go and put money in. And I think we'll see all of that and the Bitcoin ETF. And I think there'll be a lot more confidence in the market. Yeah. Pardon me. So that would, that would and that should. I'm actually looking forward to seeing what kind of use cases they come up with real world assets be only because I'm really interested in seeing the way they have the governance tokens or how they produce the stock tokens and the dividends and like how they're going to work around that. I think it's going to take a lot of really smart people to think about it. Um, and it's going to, I think we're going to see the same thing that's happened last time. It's going to have to get used mm-hmm. a few times before we can really see what some of the problems are and fix it before it can really go mainstream. What I would like to see Yep. is a tokenized Tesla car, right? So I might own like five tokens from five different Teslas, right? Yeah. And because of that, I will be able to order the Tesla, forget about Uber, right? So the yeah. Tesla the, so the Tesla car itself mm-hmm. will be everything. Right? So the Tesla car itself will earn money yeah. from us. It will go to the service and pay the service using CBDCs, for example, okay. and charge us. But because we had the token, we can call it and we had to pay the car. So the car itself will earn money. We'll pay for the service by itself. We'll pay for the insurance by itself. Yeah. Right? But then I don't have to own a car then. I can have five nice, tokens in five different nice cars. Nice dystopian view. It's going to be perfect. You watch, right? So Elon? We don't need to have any cars anymore. <laughs> exactly. You know, you can say the driveway for Barbies. That's a million dollar idea right now. <laughs> Alrighty. So you do the closing. Maureen? Um, Thank you for listening to episode 58. We'll see you next week. It was Maureen and Kozu. Woo! Thank you. See you later. Bye. Thanks for tuning in. We'll see you next week. Same time, same place. Subscribe, subscribe, subscribe.